Welcome to another in our series of Kehillat Israel podcasts. This is a recording of Rabbi Amy Bernstein's weekly Friday morning Torah study. We are beginning our study of Parshat Shoftim this morning. We're going to look at the beginning lines of Shoftim and discuss a little bit about the judiciary um, we have a famous, famous line of Torah here, uh, and um, then we're going to skip <laughs> a paragraph. So that, that puts us uh, in Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 16, this collection of laws, this discussion of roles uh, of different parts of the system in ancient Israel. So we have the judges. Who else are our authorities in the ancient world, in ancient Israel? The judges? The priests? Prophets? prophets, And kings. Right? These are the the four categories of folk who have influence, who have power uh, in ancient Israel. And the reason we have these roles explicated is because there's often, of course, natural tension between those roles. Most famously, the tension becomes really big between the king and the court. And ultimately, in Jewish history, the king became so powerful that ultimately the court wasn't able to keep the king in check the way it was envisioned. Uh, so there's lots of lots of criticism of the um, office of monarch uh, you'll recall that the way it's characterized in Torah, whose idea is it to have a king? The people. The people, right? God acquiesces in our sacred narrative. The people are the ones who want a king. God says, well, if you must, okay, right? Why do the people say they want a king? That's what they're used to from Egypt. <laughs> so our mythological... Minds go to, it's what they're used to in Egypt. What do they say? To be like the other nations. This is how it's done. If you're a nation state, you gotta have a king. But it seems that the ideal from Torah's perspective would be that they weren't ruled by a king. Why? Why is it better not to have a king? It's, a, it's another system. Who cares what, what makes it better or worse, according to Torah? Abuse of power, which can happen with a false prophet, which can happen with a court that's gone rogue. And worship of a king rather than God. So a temptation to associate the king with things that should only be associated with God. Some of that danger is there with a charismatic prophet, but generally the prophet is a critic. So generally the prophet is actually not very popular. Right? Prophets did not have fun lives. Right? Most prophets were horrified that they were receiving prophecy um, because it meant they were going to be hugely unpopular because they were going to criticize everybody who's in power and who's in charge. Everyone who benefits from the status quo, the prophet is there to criticize. Right? We're We're the people who canonize our critics. Right? Think about that for a minute. Think how crazy that is. 
We take the people who yell and scream, you Israelites, you Jews are messing it all up, and we call those holy books. It's very Jewish. It's a little crazy. It's very Jewish. Um, so, but the danger seems to be different with the king in terms of corruption. There just seems to be, it seems to be too easy for a king to become corrupt. Um, so, you know, we get some limits placed on the king in this text, limits that, of course, did not happen right, in, in lived history of the Israelite people. All right, let's look at chapter 16, verse 18. Someone want to begin? You shall appoint magistrates and officials for your tribes in all the settlements that your God, the Holy One, is giving you, and they shall govern the people with due justice. You shall not judge unfairly. You shall show no partiality. You shall not take bribes. For bribes blind the eyes of the discerning and upset the plea of the just. Justice, justice shall you pursue, that you may thrive and occupy the land that your God, the Holy One, is giving you. All right. Shoftim vishotrim titen lecha. So you shall appoint shoftim and shotrim. What are shoftim? Judges. What are show trim? Officials, police, magistrates. Good. Good translation. Policemen. So, shof team are judges, show trim are policemen, officers. Those who will enforce what the shof team have decided. There have to be people who are ready to carry out the daily, and it doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? In general, you know, police officers are good. They make sure, you know, if there's a traffic accident, they help get it off the side of the road. If one merchant's fruit cart is in front of the other, they make sure that, right, it's moved so this guy doesn't have, you know. Officer friendly. Officer friendly. Exactly. Yes. Are you saying that these people were roaming the streets of, you know, different towns like a, like a police like the Patrol? Yes. Yes. Um, or they're, they're available, right? They're, they're always kind of there to their officials who their job is to keep the day-to-day operations running smoothly. To keep the peace. To keep the peace. Exactly right. Community policing. Community policing. Love that. <laughs> so, shoftim and shotrim titen lecha. So this language is you shall what? Titain. You shall give lecha to yourselves. To yourself. So it's singular. Who's it addressed to? The Israelites. So it's singular. So who's it addressed to? The people. The Israelites as a unit. You as a society must give for yourselves shoftim and shotrim. That, that is our obligation, is to make sure that we as a unified people provide courts and people to 
facilitate the decisions of the court being put into place. Bechol sha'arecha. In all of your what? Sha'ar. What's a sha'ar? A gate. You shall put them, you shall give them to yourselves. Bechol sha'arecha. In all of your gates. Asher Adonai Eloecha noten lecha. Right, so this this balance of the word to give, you will give to yourselves in the gates of your cities, judges and officers in, in which cities the cities that I give to you. Right, very very Jewish to me. That you, it sounds very Jewish. Right, you, I'm going to give y'all cities, and if I give y'all cities, then this is what y'all are going to make sure happens in those cities. Because there's a link. It's not an accident that you get them. You didn't earn them. You weren't born there. They don't belong to you. I'm giving them to you. Just the same way that you didn't earn your way out of slavery. You don't deserve freedom. I give it to you as a gift. There are strings attached in our understanding as a people to what we are given. There are oughts and shoulds and have tos attached to what we're given. That's who we are as a people. To me, that is part of the glory of what it means to be Jewish. It comes with a price. And what is the price? Those cities will be just cities. I'll give them to you, but here's your obligation in return. You must create societies of justice. Has anybody read in the newspapers about the crisis in judges in our cities? People cannot get fair trials. They have a right to a speedy trial according to the Constitution of the United States and they cannot get that because there aren't enough judges to hear the cases. There's not judges. Justice, the wheels of justice come grinding to a halt and people wait unfair amounts of time in prison, right? Waiting for cases to be heard. This is completely against Torah's vision of the kinds of cities we should be building. Why is it in the Sha'ar? Why is it in the gate? What does that mean? Hmm. Huh? That's right. All, all the action, all the big business of the city happens in the city gates. All right. So the city gates are not the way we think of gates, right? We think of a wall and we think of a opening in the wall and the gates are what keep the opening shut until they open and then you go through, boom. You know, gates open, boom, you go through, you're done. Not so in the ancient world, right? Gates were the major way that you stopped an invasion, and you had, often you had a, a long distance between where you came in and, you know, where you actually began to enter and before you got into the city. So, so it's like a, what? A very wide, it's like a big tunnel. Exactly. Right? So it was very wide, very big, and, and sometimes long, so that the city has time to trap somebody in you know, an invading presence in there and they're corralled and you shoot your arrows and they're dead. 
You don't have just doors where if they break those down, <laughs> you're invaded, right? So, so it was a, it was a wide, big place. So when we say write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your ah. So that when you go into a city, as you enter the long tunnel that is the city gates, what should you Israelites have written on your gates as people come in? Ve'ahavta et Adonai Elohecha v'chol levavcha u'v'chol nafshicha u'v'chol meodecha. Yes? People have on their gates, what do I need to know coming into this town? Think about it. What, what do you know the minute you cross into Las Vegas? <laughs> what kind of town it is right right you you characterize what kind of town is this by what do people see as they come into your city and we're told what the israelites are supposed to communicate put it on each of your individual doors and you will write them on the gates of your cities and in the gates of those cities there will be justice there will be there will be judges and there will be officials ready to carry on the business of a just and equitable society. So you're going to put them in your gates, vishaftu etaam, and they will judge the nation. They will judge the people. Mishpat tzedek, judgments of tzedek, of righteousness. Right? So... Talk to me a little bit about this word, tzedek. What do, what do we know about this? Tell, tell me all that you know. It means justice, but it gets translated often as charity. Justice. One, one version of using this root, right, is in the word, the noun, tzedakah. Tzedakah is what in English we would translate as charity. Yes, that word does not exist in Hebrew. Charity, what does it come from? <laughs> no. Where does, it co- where, does, where does charity come from? I was going to say the Christian word. Yes, and what is it from? What's the Latin word charity comes from? Caritas. From the heart. When one feels moved. From the heart, one should give. One should feel charitable. One should feel from one's heart compassion and empathy for the poor and the needy, and one should give from that place. Not Jewish. Not Jewish. How is it not Jewish? Shouldn't we feel empathy for the poor? Shouldn't we feel moved to give? Why isn't that Jewish? We should, but we're obligated to whether we're moved. <laughs> yeah, we should, but... <laughs> doesn't really matter whether you feel it or not. Mm-hmm. Pull out your checkbook, write your obligation, and turn it in. You don't have to want to, right? We're Jews. Is that more like being Mormon or your 10%? They're more like us. They're more like us than they are like Christians in that sense, right? No, it's good. We have to always go. We always have to do that, don't we? Because we forget right, that ours is the original testament, right? So, yes, they are more like Jews in how they read that than Christians. It is an obligation. It is not optional. I'm not saying saying Christians don't feel that they have to give also. I'm just saying 
the the whole terminology that we use says we don't even we don't even have that concept as the basis of, of giving. It should be there, but it's other things. That's chesed, right? That's ahava, that's love, that's all other kinds of stuff. Not, those are great things. But when it comes to money and poor and whatever, the word, it's staka. How do you translate that? Do we translate it as charity? I don't like to. I like to just call it staka and right, educate that it comes from justice. Justice for all. Justice for all is what staka means. And then it's about what the, what are the implications? What are the practical implications of that? All right, so it can mean justice. Tell me, what. how else do you know tzedek? I know you know it. Tzedek is somebody who is wise. That's what I said. That's what I wanted to ask. Tzedek is someone who's wise. Yeah. That's another... Ah, now we're talking. Now we're talking... Tzaddik. Yeah. What's a tzaddik? Not just someone who's wise. What's a tzaddik? Learned. So here are the things we associate with tzaddik. Learned, wise, and good. Good. Because it comes from the sense of tzaddik that means to be Righteous. Not in a bad way, not self-righteous, that's a sin. <laughs> right? that, that's its own category of yuckiness. Tzaddik comes from tzedek in the sense of justice, meaning righteous behavior. Someone who acts out of a sense of justice, fairness, equity, equanimity. One has to be, if one has a show fate, generally you're going to get a better show fate if they are wise and learned, right? We think about our court system, right? To really understand and adjudicate between claimants, you're going to get a better, you have a better sense of it being a, a, a good judgment if the, per, if the person doing it is wise and learned. So you can see how tzedek and this idea of justice, you know, is reflected in the tzedek, who you know is always going to be fair, a tzaddik is always going to be fair. It's going to judge everybody gently and fairly. He's never going to react or behave out of their own mishigas. And may not discriminate the rich from the poor. And may not discriminate based on wealth. And we're going to see some other stuff. So the tzaddik really becomes, in our tradition, the paradigmatic model, right? The highest you can achieve is being a tzaddik, right? That there are tzaddikim among us, and it's because of those tzaddikim that the world exists, that it continues to exist. It's that rooted in our tradition that this idea of, of, of tzaddik, of, right, of tzaddik, of righteousness becomes the absolute paradigm of the the righteous person, um, the gold, tzaddik katamar yifrach, right? The the tzaddik katamar yifrach, like the date palm, flourishes, puts out fruit everywhere, right? Ke'eres balvanon yizge, like the cedar of Lebanon, right? Think of the cedars of Lebanon; they are seriously tall, 
right? Reaching for the light, um, seriously big, uh, in a place where there isn't a lot of, you know, necessarily. Problem. 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 There is. But it's very true that it becomes associated with men for the most part. It, were, it was men who were the leaders. It was men who were the chassidim. You know, I mean, it's, it's absolutely true that it, is, it has been a male-dominated culture, 100%, and religion, 100%. Um, there is the feminine, and it is used of women who, uh, you know, who are um, exemplars of righteous behavior. Um, and it's part of what has always bugged me about Eshet Chayil at a funeral. So the that um, piyut, that that poem that comes to us from from the biblical literature um, that that that's what gets read at her funeral. You know, he, he, it talks about you know, a man as a tzaddik, you know, and uh, the woman's an Eshet Chayil, that she's a woman of valor, meaning her hands are always busy, she's never idle, she works on behalf of her husband and her family tirelessly. You know, it's, it's always like, it's always bugged me. Um, that that's what defines, you know what I mean, that I think for women... I'd love to see it. <laughs> it's in our prayer book? All right, I'm going to have to check. And also, I wanted to ask about the Lamed Vavs. Are they just Ah, the Lamed Vavniks. Not Vavniks. That's how we talk about them. So there are Lamed Vav. What does that mean? Lamed Vav? Not that I can write in a way that anyone can read it. What no? What is Lamed Vav literally? No, that's vet. Lave is vet. If I give a chip chick between the Lamed and the Vav, what am I saying that is? It's abbreviation for a number. Thirty-three. Thirty. Olive Bet Gimel Dalit Hey Vav. Thirty-six. So according to a famous midrash. There are 36 righteous souls. There are 36 tzaddikim by virtue of whom the world continues. And if any one of them shouldn't exist at the same time as the others, the world will collapse. In other words, written at a time when Jews understood the world to be not such a great place. Yeah? But we refuse to lose hope. So there are the Lamed Vav, the 36, by whose virtue the world continues to spin, if you will, meaning God, because of those 36, right, continues to speak creation into existence every day. So they become known as Lamed Vavniks, right? So I have a friend about whom I say she's a Lamed Vavnik. Right? It becomes the way we talk about people that are just so good like, no matter what, they're so good that it, it's inexplicable. Do, do you know, know what I mean? They don't, they don't know it. And they don't know it. 
That's right. Because that's what that's how you know they're a Lamed Vavnik, is that they would say, no, I'm not. <laughs> right? Anyone who claims to be a Lamed Vavnik, just by definition, is not. Um, so that's that's where that comes from. And um, but it gets the Yiddishized. You know, it's it's not really used very much in the Hebrew pronunciation. It's yeah, it's much more the the Yiddish. You know. So how would you say it? That's an interesting question. Yeah, you've never heard it, Sarah. No. Hmm. Stika, I mean, you, you know, it's something like that. Like it's, you don't use it. You don't use it. Can somebody deal with the the temperature in here, please? Down. It's I'm like roasting. Thank you. Sorry. It's one of the highest compliments. It's one of the highest compliments we can pay about somebody's character is that they're a Lamed Vavnik. I mean, it means a lot that the rabbi said that about about him because we don't say it often. So does that mean, practically speaking, I guess, if one dies, then another one's born? Presumably. Because the world is still here, right? That's why. I'm right. Um, which for me is the, the element of hope, it, right? That thirty-six continue somehow to exist even in this world, because the world's still here, <laughs> which is kind of the point of the midrash, right? All right. So, um, so you, so you will have mishpat sedek, right, out of these. Shof team and Shotrim, bless you, Emma. Lo tate mishpat. So, you shall not judge unfairly. So this means ruling in favor of the guilty against the innocent. That's unfairly, right? That's a mishpat that's not of tzedek, and. This is likely to happen. Why? Why would that be likely? Why is it a possibility that you would judge the guilty as innocent? Right? Why would that happen? Ah, in general, how does that happen? Corruption. Generally, if you lay out a case before somebody, it seems to suggest you're likely to get a decent judgment if you just lay out the facts of the case. But just laying out the facts of the case is not enough because often there's bribery involved, even unintentionally. And how do we know that? Lo takir panim. What does that literally mean? It's, it's attached to this idea of you shall not render an unfair decision. Lo takir panim. What does that mean? You shouldn't recognize somebody's face. What? Or somebody in high office. So what does that mean? You shouldn't recognize their face. Everybody's coming to, to, to court masked? For the 
Correct. So how is it likely to happen that an unfair decision is rendered? It's likely to happen when you recognize the face of the person because they are in a relationship to you that is going to influence your decision or because their status, who they are is tied to, oh, I know her. She's the governor's wife. She's the governor. Then you've got issues, right, with status and now you're talking about the possibility instantly, instantly. The minute you put the face before the principal, instantly it's tied to an unfair decision. Lotikach shochad. You may not take a bribe because what does that do? Ya'aver chachamim. Bribes blind the eyes of the wise. So don't think if you're a chacham, somehow you are less corruptible. Wisdom has nothing to do with the corruption of the heart. It's not about being smart. Often, smart people are the worst. Smart is not tzaddik. Wise is different than smart. Right? You could be as smart as you want, but some of the most arrogant, awful people we could point to are very, very smart. It doesn't have anything to do with their character. And so Torah is saying, don't, don't let the fact that you're so smart somehow make you think you are above this or, or somehow immune to this because you can just figure out that that's not right. So it blinds the eyes of the wise and upsets the plea of the just. And here the famous, famous line of Torah, Tzedek, Tzedek Tirdof, repeated twice. Tzedek, Tzedek Tirdof, what is Tirdof? Pursue. Pursue, tell me what that means. Chase it. Chase it. Very good translation. Justice, justice shall you chase. What does that mean? Why is that language used here? Tear dove, chase after. Don't let things happen. You make an effort to be sure things are right. Don't just let things unfold. You need to make sure that it's unfolding in a way that is expressive of of tzedek. Good. What else? I also think it's a very active word. It's not standing there and just letting justice happen. You're actively pursuing it and chasing it. And that's something that you're doing with full-hearted intention. So if it doesn't happen, it's completely on you. You can't say, well, wow, I live in such an, an, a corrupt society. It's terrible. It's on you. How do you think it's going to happen? Of course, it's not going to just happen. You have to pursue it as a community, as a city. It has to be a priority. You have to go after it. You have to move. You have to do something. You have to engage with those kinds of things that are going to absolutely guarantee that you are a society of tzedek, of justice. It is an active word that says we have no excuses. I cannot tell you how much fetching I hear. I do it too. 
about our society, our city, right? Our whatever. What do we do? Are we campaigning for Congress folk that we think are going to change that? How much are you reading about the judiciary? How much am I reading about the judiciary? What am I doing for the 40,000 foster kids in L.A.? Tierdolf, get off your tush and make yourself involved because you're implicated. Tara says you're implicated. If you're not pursuing it, you can't fetch. And I think America has become extraordinarily lazy cynical, sated, or actually not sated, so we're always pursuing. We're not pursuing Zedek. What are we pursuing? More. Stuff. Status. Because stuff is going to give me status. And status, well, that's going to get me happiness. (laughs) Right? And fulfillment. Then I'll be happy. So, I mean, I think we have gone completely into a place that Torah would say, really? 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 You think all those riots that have been happening about injustice, you think those riots are because of one case? One incident? Khalila. Of course not. It's because there is such frustration, there is such anger, there is such resentment, there is such animosity by a community that constantly feels that it is unjust what happens to members of their community that there isn't justice for them in their city we see we see the results of that we know what that means i don't know why we're shocked when it absolutely blows up in our faces Tzedek, tzedek, tirdof, that you may live. And that you may inherit the land that God is giving you. Because you, you won't if this is not what you pursue. You may exist, but you won't live Right? And you won't inherit the land that God is giving you. You'll inherit something else. Tzedek, tzedek, tirdof. So it's a famous line of Torah. It has generated, you can imagine, vast amounts of rabbinic literature, vast amounts of commentary, because it's repeated twice, right? Torah doesn't do that. There's lots of ways to say this with a double. It's not just repeating the word. Mot yumat, right? There's a way to take a verb, you know, and, and do things with it that you use it twice and then it gets, you know, translated as verily ye shall surely, <laughs> right? Like, so there's ways to do that. This doesn't do that. It just repeats the word twice. That's very unusual in Torah. So it generates a lot of attention. One of my favorites, uh, I just learned with my Charita partner this week, one of my new favorites, Tzedek, Tzedek Tirdof. Tzedek, when you are righteous, Tzedek Tirdof. Make sure you're pursuing righteousness. It is often those who feel like they are fair and just people 
who are the most self-deceived can deceive themselves. Yes, yeah? like you know that. Even if you think you're a tzaddik, tzaddik tirdof. Make sure you're continuing to pursue justice. That you keep that as a, you aren't there. You're never there because the minute you think you're there, you're already not there. <laughs> right? The minute you think you're there, we have a problem. That. When even if you're living a life of justice and equity and compassion and all of those things, make sure you're still pursuing ways of understanding that bigger, differently, better. Make sure you're still guiding your life choices by how you can increase that in the world. Love that. Don't rest on your tzedek laurels. Pam? Somebody is guilty, but no one sees this. But so you and I make an agreement. We're going to put him in jail. He'll, you know, that that would be righteous, but our way of going about it is not righteous. So we have to be righteous in our pursuit of, you know, righteousness. Because yeah. the rabbis understand that we can be corrupted in trying to do the right thing. And they say that this low takir business, part of it is you shouldn't recognize the face, meaning even if you know this is a horrible person who does terrible things and you know they're guilty, don't let that right influence how you hear this case and the evidence in this case. Right? You're not allowed to put Tony Soprano in jail over this crime if you can't prove from this evidence that he's guilty, right? I like to think about Randolph Schoenberg as just such a good person. Because when he was a kid, a friend of his family complained about the stolen Clint art that belonged to her family. Who doesn't let go? Who rode Dave, right? And that is a genuine chaser after.
Excellent. And also parties. Yeah. <laughs> Paula Fern, Parkies. ever the <laughs> social worker, ever the Parkies. practical social Parkies. worker, Parkies. you can park there. <laughs> so certainly we have this explicated in our tradition in ways about justice and equity and what that means. Then there are, as always, the folk who have of a more mystical bent who want to figure out how to apply this spiritually. Right? How does this? How does it continue to speak to us? Not about justice and the and the court system and the judiciary and all of that. But what is it? Torah's true for all time. It's true for every human being for all time. God forbid we should think it's just about the pshat, about the surface level. And so here's a, a piece from you know one of my favorites, the Sfat Emet, Rabbi Yehuda Leib of Ger, the Ger Rebbe. The Hebrew is number Gimel. If you want to look at the Hebrew, which is on the back. And the English is the English of number three. On our verse. Shoftim b'shotrim titen lecha b'chol sha'arecha. So judges and uh, officers will you appoint for yourselves in your gates. Hu ifticha gam kein shebiyad isha yisraeli limnot al atzmo shofet v'shoter. You shouldn't think, God forbid, that this is just about the collective. Why is it in the singular, says the Sfatimet? Because this is for every member of the people, Israel, individually. How does it apply individually? I should appoint judges and officers? What does that mean? Bechol sha'arecha, in all of your gates, means in every one of y'all's hearts. Appoint officers and judges for yourselves. Kamosha katuv, as it is written... So uh, another quote from our tradition that in the path that a person desires to go, that person will be uh, encouraged, right? There are people, what are they about? What are they, what are they after? What are they searching for? They're searching for truth. MS, truth. Others find that their seichel, their mind, is not whole enough and they want to be forced along that way. Meaning they don't, they're not whole enough to make that decision, but they want, but they want it. They want to go in that direction. Gam so also in this, a person can find help from their inner officers and judges. What is the ikar of hadavar? What is the essence of the thing? The essence is to seek out the truth. As it is written, Tzedek, Tzedek, Tirdov, justice, justice shall you pursue. And it's written about lying, right? What's the opposite of truth? Lying. Because about the lie, it is written in our tradition. You shall stay far away from, keep yourself far from the speaker of lies. Vishamati, Memorai, Ziknai, 
I heard from my elder, meaning his grandfather, his memory should be for a blessing. And, and it's a teaching in the name uh, of another famous rabbi. You, you, you always teach in the name of the person you learned it from, by the way, in, Ju- in Judaism. We always teach in the name of the person who said it. Otherwise, it's considered stealing. So you'll often hear me say, I can't remember where I learned this because we're supposed to say always where we learned it, who we learned it from. Shalomatsinu harchaka b'shum isur b'torah. So what did he learn from his grandfather who learned from another famous rabbi? Is that we don't see this idea of distancing oneself from stuff that's forbidden in Torah. It's never used. It's only used here. Rak chachamim tiknei sayag Torah is saying something really strong when she says, keep yourself far from lies. Because it's a very serious isur. All right. Ukmokain. And similarly, matzinu kan be'emet. And so here, so that was kind of tangential, but lying's really, 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 really bad. And here... I mean, I think also because we, we tend to weigh things like murder, that's really, really, really bad, but lying. The Sfat is talking to us. You think bribery and corruption is the most terrible. Well, let me just remind you for a minute, while we're talking about truth, let me, let me tell you what Torah says about lying. What I learned from my grandfather and from other famous Rebbes, right? It's the worst of the worst of the worst. Why does he need to say that parenthetically? Because what do most of us deal in? Not so much the truth all the time. It's a, so right, and he says that's the worst. All right. So about MS, what does it say? About truth, what does it say? Tzedek, tzedek, tirdof. Justice, justice shall you shall you pursue? Mashalomatzinu b'makomacher. Something we don't see anywhere else. Kihu yisod hakol, because this is the secret to everything. That's why we see this doubled. You don't see this anywhere else in Torah. Why do we see it doubled? Because tzedek, meaning MS, truth, this is the yisod, this is the secret, hakol, of everything. Uktiv, tirdof. And it's written, pursue it. Run after it. Vehainu, ki iefshar lavo legamre laamitut haemet be'alma dashikra. What is it saying? It's saying that we can't really, why does it say pursue? Why is that word there? Because we can't really come to truth, MS, but Alma Jashikra, Aramaic, in a world of lies. Meaning, this world. Lachain, Leulam, Yesh Dof, Achar Hatzedek. For the rest of our lives, as long as we're on this side of things, in this reality, we're going to have to chase after truth. We're going to have to pursue it. We're going to have to be active. We're going to have to make sure we are running after it constantly. Liadaki adayin eno mutzdak kiraoi. We have to keep pursuing it, knowing that we have not attained it. Yes. Um, is there a concept of mercy? Better tempering, tempering justice, or does ah. is this imply that mercy happens because there's justice? 
Or is this not, is yes. mercy not a concept yes. Yes. at all? Yes, yes. Stay, let's finish out this one sentence. When we pursue justice, right, in this world, he says, we attain it fully in the world to come. Yes? And that is where we get this, this business written, that you will live and inherit, that this is about olam haba. This is about the world to come. That's all about chayim. That's all about life. So what is what are we inheriting? Not the land, but olam haba, the world to come. For me, of course, since I am not someone who worries about olam haba very much, for me, I can still reconstruct the words of the Svat Emet to say it's very hard. It's almost impossible to get tzedek in this world, to get emet in this world of shikra, of lies, of corruption, of cynicism of materialism, of consumerism. But there's the world to come, the, meaning the world that isn't yet. And that deserves our constant energy and effort and attention and action to create the world that isn't yet. And that the minute we say it's impossible, it's not ever going to happen, right? He, his is about the world to come is, is his hope. Okay, that's fine. That's where he located his hope. That's fine. For us as Reconstructionists, we need to create Olam Haba here. We create Yemei HaMashiach. We create the Messianic Age when we live into this stuff fully. With hope, with energy, with optimism. That is the only way it's going to get created if we pursue truth, if we pursue justice. To your question, because we're coming up on Rosh Hashanah, I will leave answering Paula's question. Do we have an understanding of mercy, tempering justice. Indeed. Indeed we do. And we use it about God. Yes? We have in our tradition an image of Kisei Hadin and Kisei Harachamim. What does that mean? That we have, in the rabbinic imagination, we have two thrones. God has a throne of justice, strict justice, deen, judgment, and strict mercy. There are two thrones. There is a lot of rabbinic writing about that. Do you, have you heard in our prayer book, you see it a lot. It says that, blessed be God, olamim. Life of all the worlds. Sovereign of all the worlds. Why is it plural? What worlds? Everybody. Huh? Everybody. This one and the world to come. This world and the world to come. Beautifully rabbinically explicated. Lovely. But not the whole story. There were other worlds before this one. We should think this is the only one. There were other worlds. God created an olam hadin. God created a whole universe out of just God's aspect of deen, of justice, strict justice, fairness, equity. What happened? It couldn't stand. It was too hard. Just what's just, what's just isn't always lovely. Right? It isn't always good even. It may be fair, but that doesn't make it necessarily good. So the world collapsed. It was too hard. 
So God creates another olam, another world, and that world God created completely out of God's aspect of rachamim, of mercy, compassion. And what happened to that world, do you think? It collapsed. It was too soft. Then it collapsed. So God understood that the world had to be created. This world was created out of midah hadin, out of the aspect of God that is strict justice and tempered by midah rachamim, midah rachamim, the, the aspect of God, the flavor of God that is mercy. Where do we get the word mercy? Rachamim comes from what's the, what's the shoresh? What's the root of rachamim? Rechem. What does rechem mean? Womb. So mercy is a terrible translation. Terrible. Is what you feel for the issue of your womb mercy? Rachmanis. Yes, because the child is in there. Rachmanis. You feel rachmanis for a child. Why? Because what we feel for the child, it's not mercy. It's this magic, amazing thing that allows them to survive because they don't deserve it. Like a lot of times how we treat them, they don't earn it. They don't deserve it. But because we love them, because of that feeling, that amazing response we have, we treat them in ways that are better than they deserve in a world of strict justice and dean and judgment and fairness. You just smacked your brother? What? Come here. Right? <laughs> Come here. What does you deserve? You deserve to get smacked in the head maybe. I don't know. Right? But we, we don't. We come out of rachamim. We come out of a desire to not just give them what's coming to them, what's fair. We want to teach them. We want to forgive them. We want to love them through it. So God creates out. So is mercy a great word for that? Not so much. Compassion. I don't know. The Hebrew is way better. Rachamim. What one feels for the issue of one's womb. And it doesn't have to be literal, obviously. It's what you feel when you hold a puppy. Right? A baby. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't come out of justice or fairness. It comes out of this other wonderful part of us that tempers Dean. And those two have to work constantly in balance with each other in order for the world to stand. And the imagery of the rabbis, I'll close with this for Rosh Hashanah, is that our prayers, all of the work of prayer and fasting and everything that we do in shul on the high holidays is about moving God from Kisei Hadin to Kisei Harach. We have 10 days to move the divine from Midat Adin to Midat Rachamim because we know that if God comes for us out of the high holidays, for each of us strictly out of Din, it's not going to be good. And we have the month of Elul. We have the month of Elul this month to prepare for the high holy days, uh, really reaching out to that force in this universe Uh, that forgives, that allows for us to feel remorse, that allows for us to feel hope, that it can be different, trusting fully, uh, that we know we don't always deserve uh, good things to happen if it were just about deen, just about what's absolutely fair for each one of us. And so we count on a loving universe, and we trust and hope that there is that which exists in the universe that we call God, 
that allows us to move into our own compassion, our own rachamim, our own rachmonis for ourselves and for everybody else with whom we deal. Because if every single human being lived into that on this planet, we believe we would create here Yimei Mashiach, the Messianic Age. Shabbat Shalom. You've been listening to Rabbi Amy Bernstein's Friday Morning Torah Study from Kehillat Israel in Pacific Palisades, California. For more information, go to our website, www.ourki.org.